And welcome to another episode of the Brown Taboo Project. Today we're going to be talking about something that has been in the news lately. Um, a, you know, a very tragic event. We're going to be talking about the shootings that have occurred at predominantly Asian American par- parlors um, and salons in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I'm Trinish coming at you today from Santa Barbara, California, where I'm visiting. I am Shreya in New York, and uh, this is, again, one of those episodes which we wish we didn't have to do, Mm -hmm. but as a South Asian-centric organization, it's also like our responsibility to do it, if that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Of course. I mean... So let's kind of go over like what happened. I mean, I'm sure that many of us have already heard about the events on the news and and stuff. But essentially, um, on March 16th, um, this 21-year-old guy named Robert Aaron Long um, went to um, multiple uh, Asian-American-owned and like often Asian-American-frequented massage parlors in the Atlanta area and um, basically shot them up. Around eight people have died. Um, One more has been reported as injured so far. And um, actually, the police apprehended this guy on his way to Florida, where he was probably going to shoot up another massage parlor. So he was on this kind of like rampage. Um, And of those who, um, who passed away, six of them were Asian American women. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like I think you know it's so stunning to me a lot of you know the police response and stuff and the v- kind of like official government response has really s- not wanted to label this as a hate crime surprise 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 it is so wild to me I mean it is so like obviously I guess, like, in terms of the law, you need to show, like, racially motivated intent for it to be a hate crime. But is it is it, like, inconsequential that, like, so many of those who died were Asian American women? I mean, how can you not? How like, can you not? Exactly. And I think that's what, I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, we're, like, asking probably one of the least accountable organizations to like (laughs) hold people accountable. So um, that, you know, it is stunning and also like completely unsurprising that they're so hesitant to call this a hate crime and are like going out of their way to find whatever like threadbare excuse they can find, like having a bad day or whatever, like anything that'll prevent them from having to say hate crime. But it's dumb because like, for whatever reason, this country like does not know or does not want to understand like context and know that like context is a huge thing that plays into this shit. Right. Like for over the past year, really, if not longer, I mean, one could say this has been going on since like the first wave of Asian immigration to this country, but like Asian American hate crime is nothing new and it's definitely 
been on the rise, you know, over the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be like, oh, these are all isolated incidents. The fact that the, you know, former president continued to call the virus, you know, Kung flu and China virus all the way up until his last day in office has absolutely no bearing on how, you know, the rest of the country is, is operating and, and, you know, visibly showing hate towards this community that does not deserve it at all. Yes. And like Asian Americans have been sounding the alarm bells for a long time. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have, like in my group chats with my friends and stuff, we've been talking about how like, oh, XYZ's mom got harassed at the store Mm. and stuff like, and, and stuff like that. It's not, it's not something that like people could not, um, like someone, I don't get how people could not have known that like Asian American hate crimes were on the rise. And I guess it makes sense because like, you know, like we both are in more like Asian American oriented spaces, mm-hmm. but like people have been sounding the alarm bells for a while and it's not really been like a huge kind of like news story that mm-hmm. maybe reaches the majority of people which mm-hmm. is so unfortunate it takes like it takes like an extremely tragic event like this exactly for that trend to be now kind of brought to like the national um, exactly i mean if you remember i mean you're in california but like earlier this year even there was like a wave of attacks against elderly asian americans yes. and it went virtually unreported until like people went on social and like celebrities started speaking out and they're like, what the fuck is going on? Why isn't the media fucking talking about all of these elderly Asian Americans being targeted and attacked for no reason whatsoever? Right. And it just goes to show that like, it could be 2021, but the amount of work that is left to do to fucking combat the, the, I don't know what you would call it, the the ways of thinking mm-hmm. um, that it, I don't know. It, it can feel, it can honestly, just personally speaking, it can feel really overwhelming because it's like, yeah. you feel like we've gotten to a place where we're good, but obviously we're, we haven't. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just so many fronts on which there is work left to do. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not being very articulate here, <laughs> but it's, I don't know. It's like an overwhelming, you know, you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would imagine it's almost similar to like how it, right in the aftermath of nine 11, right? Like the right. South Asian community was really on, on edge because everybody was being, being targeted and there were hate crimes around the rise against right. people who, you know, Brown folks. Um, and mm-hmm. it didn't matter like what country you're from as long as you were, as, as you were brown right and that's like yeah. something that's really interesting we were talking about this right before we started recording right about how like mm-hmm. asian american is this like umbrella term that's applied to like a ton of very different communities actually yes, a huge amount of communities very diverse a very diverse yeah. yeah uh i guess one thing to kind of go off of what you had been saying about like not being articulate i think it's very interesting because like i had been talking about this incident not 
not incident, let me say, I was talking about this tragedy mm. um, to a couple of my friends and I was having trouble also explaining myself then. And mm. I thought it was very interesting because, um, you know, this issue that has happened is really, um, you know, it brings together Asian American racism, but also sexism, also mm-hmm. stigma against sex workers. It also kind of touches yeah. on like, you know, like a very a thing that has been happening more and more which is basically like young men who are having trouble with their own kind of like relationships towards women usually um Mm. are turning towards violence and shooting up places and stuff like that you know this has been happening more and more it's so many issues that have kind of come to this one um you know like extremely devastating dating act of violence mm-hmm. so how do you talk about the whole thing together it's like you know th- this is what intersectionality means yeah yeah exactly and it's it's hard particularly regarding this tragedy because like a huge part of it is the stigma against sex work and sex workers right yes. and so like you're doing a disservice to to the the people who were killed and the community at large and just the issue at large if if you don't talk about it but so many people really the people who need to hear it oftentimes aren't open to having those conversations right right exactly and just to kind of give a quick overview about like how i guess sex work plays into um Mm -hmm. this whole event so um the guy who perpetrated the shooting basically um according we can probably call him the racist piece of shit that perpetrated (laughs) yes yeah racist sexist piece of shit who did this we um are R-S-P-O-S. Love it. Yeah. So the R-S-P-O-S basically um, was, uh, according to police reports, struggling with sex addiction. Um, He grew up in a a very uh, strong Christian community. And basically um, his parents had had kicked him out for, I guess, like not being able to deal with his sex addiction um, the day before. And then he basically went to locations where he had solicited sex work in the past. Um, And so these, and so basically it comes down to like, this is also an act of violence from um, a man against sex workers. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's that like, I'm not like a psychologist or anything. So I probably am not describing this in the right way but i mean it's not uncommon right to see people act out against others because of internalized shame Mm -hmm. or guilt and that is so tragic yeah um because i mean (laughs) This is kind of messed up and weird, but like whenever I hear somebody having sex addiction, I think about David Duchovny, who was... Who is David Duchovny? (laughs) David Duchovny 
was he's an actor. He he played Mulder on X Files, and he like very famously went to rehab because of sex addiction. And and I think I think about it because that's like the first time I learned that like sex addiction was a thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that like you go to rehab for it just like you would for like you know a, some kind of drug addiction or alcoholism or whatever. Right. Um, and, and obviously there's like a huge difference between a celebrity being able to like get treatment and, you know, regular people, um, getting treatment or even knowing that they have an option to get treated. But, um, it's, it's also like internalized shame is not something like exclusive to extremist Christian upbringing. Yes. Um, like I, uh, this has to be something that's widespread in, in our, in our own culture, really all cultures around the world. Um, I was reading a book. Um, the author was Iranian. Um, and it was a, an autobiography. She, she had been, um, abused as a child and Mm -hmm. and she was mentioning that like child abuse particularly of young boys is rampant in her communities um because you know homosexuality is is so frowned upon and um and and stigmatized and and the way that shame around those urges you know manifests itself is is as child like it's so there's like no winner really when it comes to um just like stigma cultures yeah and you know like this is something like so one of the ways that i have seen this in the past is when i was in college i did a presentation essentially on um like incel violence Um, oh interesting which which is like okay so basically incel means involuntary celibate and it refers Mm. to um this internet subculture of uh men mostly who are basically kind of like fed up with the fact that they're involuntarily celibate as in like they are like not getting the amount of like sexual activity that they want um, but it breeds this or even of, like attention right sometimes yes. it just comes down to like attention from women like yeah. of course nobody wants to pay attention to your sexist little <laughs> dingleberry face yeah literally but like you know it breeds this kind of like this huge like people who who like really like fall into these kinds of communities end up having these like incredibly distorted views of like one like the way that's that society is structured and their relationship towards women and like incredibly low self self-confidence and like the communities themselves are like known to be very like uh known to chip away at your self-confidence as you are a part of them and so it and what's striking is that um i think that like you know there have been many acts of violence committed in the past five or 10 years that um, have been traced back to people, um, maybe not specifically towards like the incel community itself, but essentially towards like similar ideas, right? Like I can't get women. I am like not going to 
or like I am struggling with like my relationship towards my sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. And then you turn towards violence. I think that, you know, maybe the media doesn't necessarily want to report too much about how like the strong Christian upbringing that this person has had, um, you know, the person that committed this act of of violence may have contributed to the fact that like if seeing women and seeing sex workers in an antagonizing light so much so that you like feel the need to kind of you know to to carry out an act of 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 inhumane violence Mm -hmm. you know it it does also it does also fall on society like this is also like for example one of the reasons why we we need feminism for men also right to to get some like a much healthier outlook on Mm-hmm. on um you know just 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 like what you can do with your body and what is right and what is wrong and what is taboo what is not and what even like needs fixing and that right. goes regardless of which religion or which community that you grew up with right it's funny you you mentioned the the media cuz i mean we've seen them do the exact opposite for just about every other kind of perpetrator right when they're from a, when they have a Muslim name and they come from a Muslim country, all of a sudden the media are like Islamic experts um, and will dissect every aspect of their upbringing um, and like use that as a way to blame why they did such and such act. Um, so like, it's not that they don't understand that upbringing can shape violent acts um, it's that when the upbringing hits too close to home, they just won't. And I think another thing you mentioned that, like you, you use the word inhumane. I think one of the problems that we really have in this country and really in the Western world is that when the, when the victims are people who deviate from the norm, mm-hmm. it's, the the sad truth is it's not considered inhumane. Mm, that is a hot take, but I think you're right. It um like one thing I remember that like on the day that this shooting happened, I was reading about it on Twitter first. Mm-hmm. And then I went to like Washpo and stuff and it wasn't mm-hmm. even like it wasn't even like their main headline at right. the time. Right. Exactly. I was I, I was like, where is the reporting on this? And then it took like a day or two for it to kind of come to national news. And I'm glad it did. Mm-hmm. But I was like, if if eight white people had been shot, you know, front page immediately. Exactly. Immediately front page. And we have seen this, I mean, time and time again, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and this time it actually was mentioned in the news, but like, Black trans women, for instance, like go, they're like, I think like the most, like the group that is, goes missing the most or whatever, and have like Mm. the most, um, are the most targeted in terms of violent attacks. Like they don't even make the news. Yeah. Like where, like there's so much violence going on in this country that we don't even see that we don't even get to see. Exactly. Exactly. And I guess that's why, like, that's a huge reason, like, why we felt we we needed to do this this podcast. Because, like, when you're not part of, 
I'm trying to figure out what the best way to put this is. Cause like when, when you're part of a community that, that, um, I guess just because we're not the community under attack doesn't mean we don't still have a responsibility to like show up and stand in solidarity and do whatever we can to like make sure this doesn't fucking happen again. Right. Um, And like, yeah, us, most of our listeners probably were South Asian. We're not East Asian. We don't look remotely similar. We don't speak the same languages. We have different cultures, whatever, but like, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. What difference does it make? Like if they're human and they were like inhumanely murdered and killed, like we have a responsibility to stand up for them. Right. And call it out and say that we're not going to stand for this. Exactly. Exactly. You know, going off of that point, maybe something that is something that has been very interesting is that also like certain people have been kind of using the hashtag Asian lives matter as opposed Mm. to the more popular one, which I think is like stop Asian hate. Right. Um, And a couple of people, so I, I didn't see anyone who posted a yellow square, but I did hear on Twitter. Yeah. Some people were posting yellow squares and I just think that's whack.com. Like, first of all, a yellow <laughs> yeah. square. Are you kidding me? What is this? Oh, like, right. I yeah. Just, I mean, like, what do you think about that? Like, what are you, what do you think about that? There, I mean, I think it goes back to the aid, like, it goes back always to like impact over intent. Like, there is still a lot of learning and unlearning um, left to do for everyone. Right. It doesn't matter how quote unquote woke you are. Like none of us like woke, woke is a journey. It's not a destination. And along the way, like no matter how good your intents are, you're going to fuck up just because it's literally impossible to know everything about every human being mm-hmm. um, and every culture and every religion, so on and so forth. Right. So I'm sure the intent started out well, but yeah, it's a little bit tone deaf. Um, right. A lot of bit tone deaf. And, um, you know, you brought up intersectionality before um, and like mm-hmm. co-opting the very real like movement and message that black lives matter is not the best way to get across the message that Asian lives need to be protected and are being attacked. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, like there are a lot of Asian people who I I know or I've heard of who maybe like, we're not really, who felt like they didn't need to participate in mm. like the movement um, last summer when it was kind of at its height mm. or like who, who even now are kind of like, okay, like that news story about black lives matter doesn't affect me. Mm. But then, you know, like what we have seen in, in Atlanta in particular is that mm. like black organizers have been doing a lot for the Asian 100%. community who have been grieving at this time so like you know like absolutely 
like the POC solidarity, I think is so important. And it's so like, important. It's something that I feel like, like we cannot deal with our issues unless we like are in solidarity with all of the yeah. P- POC and their issues in this country as well because like race is unfortunately still like a fundamental part of the experience that many people have right. in this country right and every single person who does not like look white is experienced like has that experience mm-hmm. also like obviously you should just like support the people who live here. right <laughs> like regardless. yeah well um, that-, that seems to be a bit of a tall order for this yeah, country but and i know i'm like asking a lot of people to like care about their name na- their neighbors but like mr Robert yeah die for this i mean you know there, there's always going to be that hurdle of like people who don't feel like they have to care because it didn't affect them personally right um and and that's just that's just always going to be like a reality that you know, movements have to contend with, Mm -hmm. but like, do do we really want to be those people? (laughs) Right. You know, like, does it really that like, and obviously I'm sure they don't feel like they're being racist in, in that way or sexist or, you know, whatever ist right by being like you know i'm just super busy and i have a family and like it didn't happen to me so i can just keep on with my day mm-hmm. um and you know maybe if we were to give them the you know benefit of the doubt maybe they do like see the news and they're like wow that's fucked up and then they just like keep going on with their day so right. like the challenge for us that i think is is still like worthwhile to meet is to like figure out how to prolong that like wow this is fucked up sentiment and like turn it into what can i do and sometimes it's not even like a huge lift right like we're not mm-hmm. saying quit your job leave your family and like you know go on hunger strike in right. front of the capitol or something or like you know we're not saying to like torch you know government buildings and like participate in total anarchy mm-hmm. like sometimes it's as simple as just like retweeting an an Asian American activist on right. Twitter, right? Or like um or taking some time to read like an uh an essay or yeah. or some, like doing just a little bit of something to teach your yourself um mm. and ourselves. I mean like both you and I both have like really demanding full-time jobs and like mm. I'm fucking exhausted after and like then you add the like emotional toll of just like the times we live in and right you know but like you gotta do it yeah you you know like it just comes with like (laughs) like i think this is a little bit ironic but like an american ideal that we're always taught in like elementary school and stuff is like, you know, like be a good neighbor, right? Like, or like be a good citizen and stuff like that. And to some extent being a good citizen and being a good neighbor means like understanding the issues that are going on in your country, right? Like, and just being 
being aware of of what people are saying and in this case specifically you know being aware of what marginalized groups are saying about what's happening in and to their own communities right you know one thing that i also want to like give a quick shout out to i guess in in regards to this is that like um so in under I went to the University of Maryland, and thankfully, um, there is a really uh, robust and growing Asian American studies program um, at UMD, and I was lucky enough to be able to minor in it. And first of all, first of all, engineering is fucking soul sucking. I hate it. Um, and so, like, I those classes <laughs> really got me out of bed. Um, um, but like, you know, I think, um, I think that something that like I was able to kind of get is an appreciation for the fact that like many issues that affect various Asian American communities are also issues that affect other Asian American communities. Like you don't have to necessarily, like, I think that I had always saw myself, seen myself as, um, South Asian American kind of first and foremost. And I think sure. I- nowadays maybe also strongly recognize that like asian american is like a header mm-hmm. that i would like to kind of like identify with and kind of push for sure um, that being said there weren't any south asian specific classes i think at maryland just because there weren't like professors to teach them um if i recall correct correctly and so it was always like a little bit of a you know like even though I didn't see necessarily like I didn't have classes dedicated to like my cultures in very particular. Like I took many classes about different Asian American cultures that touched on a variety of different issues. And I I certainly felt like I was also learning about myself there or like, you know, I was also like, I think it took me a little bit to get comfortable with that idea, but like it really comes down to, I think the impact that solidarity can have, right? Like if you join forces with other people who have similar experiences and like in order to meet common goals and also like lift up each other and kind of hear each other's stories and create and create spaces for like the many diverse communities that fall under, for example, Asian American, then that's like, that's pretty powerful. And that, um, that helps everyone. I think that that's like the crux of the matter, right? Like I can help you. And then when something happens to me, then like you can also help me. Totally. Um, Yes. And then also, and then we're just all great friends and we can just have really good food together, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? Like we've seen a bunch of memes and, and protest signs around, like you love our food, but like, what about us as like the humans? Right. Right. Um, so you're, you're totally right. It all comes down to like learning and just like taking the time to educate ourselves and, and our loved ones and, and then our community. Exactly. 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 So the, there's a bunch of just in the like immediate next steps like obviously there's a bunch of really great 
like Asian American organizations that are out there doing grassroots work. One in particular, I just really wanted to shout out was Red Canary Song, which is uh, an organization for Asian and migrant sex workers. Um, we kind of mentioned in the beginning about how the stigma around sex work is is so just overwhelming and real that it really you know hinders the progress that that we can make by by ensuring that future <laughs> that tragedies like this don't occur in the future right, right? right um so the work they are doing is really really critical um red canary song will will include a link to their uh, organization in the uh in the show notes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh you know, this is a hard topic and, um, there's right now, there's a lot of healing that, that, that people need to do, um, especially from this community. Um, and there's a lot of just like learning, but I think at the end of the day, we just have to like make space for each other, um, and show that, that we're in solidarity. That's the, that's the most important thing we can do. Mm -hmm. Um, and also we need to keep the conversation going. We don't want this to just be like a new cycle and then it's done. Right. Right. So join us on, uh, on the conversation. Um, you can follow us at, uh, South Asian SMH on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your stories. Um, you can DM us, um, on social, you could also uh, hit us up on our our website sasma s a s m h a dot org. Um, we just want to hear from you. Um, we would love to hear from you. Exactly, like the four of us. I mean, today it's just two, but you know, we talk to each other all the time, and the most rewarding conversations are when it's people like you who are listening and, and decide to reach out with a story or a question or a comment or a critique, even yeah. a suggestion. Um, we, we would really, really love to hear any and all of that. So thank you for lending us your ears, especially on a, um, for a, for a difficult uh, episode like this. We, yeah. we really appreciate it. And you. We will, I guess, talk to you next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.